a world of what are yous, welcome to the place where the answer is always human. My name is Natalie and you're listening to Some Kind of Brown, a podcast about mixed and multiracial life, current events, and ways to build the best life by a southern girl who's trying to figure it out for herself. Alright beautiful people, I'm back with another episode of Some Kind of Brown with the wonderful Asian self. Hi guys! And this time, we're talking about you and your life. Oh, joy. <laughs> so I know you've introduced yourself on the, the other episode, but if you could introduce yourself again in case this is the first time someone's listening. Yeah, okay. So how Natalie found me was I'm an, on an Instagram page called Mixed Present. It's basically a page run by a couple different admins, and we're all of mixed racial backgrounds. I am the only uh, white and Asian admin on the Instagram page. And then also my personal page is Asian underscore Soph. So you can follow me at either one of those um, pages. I am not only mixed Asian, but I'm also an activist, 25 years old. I'm a huge sports fan. Like I told Natalie before, I live in New England, so that makes me a Patriots fan. You guys are just mad because we have the best quarterback. But also don't leave just because you heard that. It's fine. We don't talk about football on this podcast, so it's all good. And then I'm also a huge geek, but not just stereotypical Asian tech geek. Um, I'm really into dressing up for Comic-Con and comic books and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and that sort of thing. And I also really enjoy fitness. I did play sports in college, so that kind of lifestyle as well, too. But the big thing is obviously being an activist, you know, smashing the patriarchy, exposing, destroying bigotry, burning the bamboo ceiling, as we talked about in the Crazy Rich Asians episode, and also just speaking about my experiences as a mixed race Asian. And as a mixed race Asian, how do you identify yourself? I know there are lots of different terms that we use when we're talking about mixed race, multiracial do you have a preference? So most uh, half Asians or mixed Asians, they know the term something called HAPA, H-A-P-A, which is a originally Hawaiian word, which a lot of people who are actually Hawaiian do not. They can have negative connotations with that word because the actual full word Oh, yeah, the actual full world full word is hapahaole. It's like half white person, half you know non Hawaiian. There's been a lot of stigma around that and mixed white and Hawaiian or mixed white and Asians in Hawaii. But I actually use the term hapa. Um, I almost changed my Instagram name to hapa sof, but a lot of people told me not to do that because Asian sof was like my brand already. So they were like, "Don't change that." <laughs> You're stuck with it now. Exactly. Ethnically speaking, I'm Japanese, German, Scottish, and Welsh. And my mother is the one who is white. In Japan, we have a term called hafu, which if you can't tell, it means half. But it comes from the term half Japanese. But a lot of Japanese Americans stateside have actually started using a term called dabaru, which means double as in they don't want to be made to feel like they're only half or a part of one culture. So they're like double culture. Oh. Yeah, I've actually been more fond of saying double just because there is still so much backlash that a lot of half Asians get for not being Asian enough, which we talked about Henry Golding in Crazy Rich Asians. He experienced mm-hmm. that himself. Every time I go to Japan, everyone doesn't treat me like I'm Japanese. And a lot of it is because I don't look Japanese. It doesn't matter culturally if you speak the language or I actually know Japanese and Japanese sign language and I know how to cook a lot of Japanese food and I'll be walking down the street with my completely Japanese looking grandma and I just 
people are just like, oh, she's not Japanese or they just think I'm some like tourist or whatever. And I mean, granted, I don't live there, but I do have citizenship there and I do go back every single year. I don't want to be made to feel like I'm not Japanese because constantly people are like, oh, your Japanese is so good or you're so good with chopsticks or they're just so impressed. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, they're so impressed that I can read hiragana or katakana or whatever. And it's to a point where it's kind of insane sometimes and I'm like, okay, it's like not a big deal. Like, let's calm down. (laughs) But growing up, I've always felt more Japanese. Like we celebrated every tradition. We had our own kimonos and our own yukatas, which is um, yukata is a summer kimono Mm -hmm. that we wore sometimes. And uh, I, whenever people ask me what I was, because I used to get that every mixed person gets that, what are you? Yes, all the time. I'm a Libra. I, (laughs) you know, like, I'm a girl, like, I don't know what to tell you. Whenever people ask me that, I'd be like, I'm Japanese. Like, I would default always say I'm Japanese. I, and then they would be always follow up with, well, are you mixed with something else? And then I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm also German, Scottish, and Walsh or whatever. And people would be like, oh, okay, yeah, you look Hawaiian. You look, uh, and I'm like, all right, that's great. But I always would default and say I'm Japanese because I was raised in, I would say, a Japanese household because my dad very, was very fresh off the boat. My parents met in Japan. My mom had lived in Japan for five years or so. And so, you know, Japanese was the first language in the house, but also we just did a lot of Japanese stuff. And I think my mom was really big about celebrating the Japanese culture, especially when we moved to Rhode Island and there was no Japanese people around us. They really wanted to make that, make sure we kept that culture alive. Being Japanese and identifying that way was a big push for my parents, but then starting to come into my own and identifying myself as a mixed race Asian. So I would say a Hapa or I would, I always just say I'm Japanese, German, Scottish, and Welsh. I don't want to necessarily put a label on it, but I do like the aspect of saying Dabaru because it's, it just sounds like you're two parts of two whole cultures rather than just being parts of little things. I think that's going to really help us with our identity, but also removing the stigma of, oh, just because you're mixed doesn't make you less than. So being mixed was a push for myself when it came to identifying. It's kind of a complicated question, like complicated answer for me. Yeah, and it, it kind of is how you identify yourself is, is very complicated. And just like the terms, it like it evolves with time. And it's very interesting to see that I haven't heard the new term. Yeah, it's not it's not necessarily caught on. It is something that I learned about through a YouTuber and I'm blanking on his name right now, even though I watch him. He's also half Japanese, and uh, he goes back and forth between America and Japan. He was talking about that term because him and another, he does something called a Hapa Hour, and they were talking about how they identify. That's where that came from. That's how I learned about that a couple of years ago. But when I was growing up, like you go through a point in time where you want to be like everybody else, and then you start to want to be unique. And I realized I kept getting a lot of, oh my God, what are you? Oh my God, those are your parents. Oh my God. (laughs) Like just a lot of that stuff that every mixed kid gets. And so I started recognizing that being mixed was something that was unique about me and that was going to set me apart. So this was a time in my life, like in high school, like when I was an upperclassman and stuff, that's when I really started to use that as as a means of embracing myself and standing out. And then during that time, my dad would always talk about, oh, I love that I have 
Eurasian babies. Oh, you know, he's biased. He's like, Eurasian babies are the best looking. Oh my goodness. And he would always say things like, I'm very envious that you can float between two cultures and be a part of those at the same time. And so he looked at it from a very different perspective. He's like, I don't, that's not a luxury that I have. And he was watching me because we went to a shrine and I was praying to the God. And it's a very particular way you have to pray. There's a lot of steps to it. And I was doing it. And then I walked away and he was like, you know, I was so jealous because you looked so Japanese in that moment. And I think it's great that you have your moments where you're so Japanese and you can have your moments where you're so German or you're so American or whatever it is. And you can exist in both of those worlds. And so he has always celebrated it. And he's always been like, be proud of who you are. He was honestly one of the first feminist people I've ever had in my life. Very like, you can do whatever you want. You don't have to listen to what other people say. Very different from his own culture. His In the culture he grew up, I think he didn't like that people were very follow the crowd and don't stand out and be like everybody else. He, he didn't want his children to be that way. He was just always big about us respecting our cultures and our roots and not being ashamed of who we are. And we can do whatever we want despite what other people think and to be strong women and to be self-sufficient. He, he was very, he was always like that. And in Japanese culture, you know, you don't want to stand out. You don't want to stray away from the crowd because you can be the black sheep if you don't agree with everybody. You don't speak out of turn. And it's still a very male dominant world in Japan. So it's it's almost amazing that my dad was so into equality and so into us living our best lives. And he still is, but he does celebrate us being mixed. And that was a huge reason why I'm so we've always been so proud of who we are, which not every mixed kid has that. So I was so thankful for that. I mean, that sounds awesome. I wish everybody had a parent like that. Yeah. When I was growing up, though, because we just didn't have the representation, and you know, we talked about going through that period in your life where doing what your parents say is cool, and sometimes you just want to be like everyone else. I moved around a lot when I was younger. So I was born in Iowa, and then we lived in Arkansas, and then we lived in Providence, Rhode Island. There's no Japanese people in Providence, Rhode Island. I mean, there's Asians, there's Chinese people, there's Vietnamese people, there's a huge Hmong population and Cambodian population, but there's no really Japanese people. Oh, wow. And there's lots of Hispanics. So basically a lot of Puerto Ricans and Dominicans, lots of Haitians and Cape Verdeans and Jamaicans and Islanders and a lot of West Africans. So a lot of my friends, honestly, were, I did not have a lot of white friends. I'm going to be honest growing up. I spent a lot of time at Haitian cookouts, Cape Verdean cookouts, Puerto Rican cookouts. And a lot of that shaped my personality and my behaviors there was a point in my life where I almost the only thing that was Asian about me was my, I guess my face in some regard, but or that people knew that I was Japanese if they asked, but a lot of people thought I was Hispanic for a point in my life because how I act is shaped around other cultures. Uh, so it sounds like we had both similar experiences with different groups where I was spending a lot of time around Vietnamese and Chinese communities, and that kind of shaped a lot of my behaviors. And for you, it was more of like the Dominican and the Haitian communities. Yeah, because, well, a lot of Africans too, a lot of Jamaicans. And when you're always around like certain demographics, you start doing a lot of that because a lot of them do a lot of the same stuff. You know, we would go to the clubs on Broad Street and we'd go dance by the merengue and salsa and I ate shimmies and pastelitos from the food trucks and um, I went to a lot of reggae nights and a lot of cookouts so culturally I was fed by these other groups and was quote-unquote adopted by them almost in the same way that you said you were adopted by the Vietnamese and Taiwanese communities 
Oh, that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. So there was a point in my life where I was indifferent to being Asian. Like I just didn't even think about it that much. I think I went through something similar. I don't think I was ever indifferent to being black. I think I was scared of calling myself black because historically and like in my own experiences, there'd been a lot of rejection there, but it was almost the same for me. Yeah, exactly. So our timelines are probably similar. So the first block of my life, I was like, I'm Japanese, I'm Japanese. Not that I didn't acknowledge the mixed part, but culturally, I just felt Japanese. And that's what I thought that's how you identified as. And then there was a point in my life where I was indifferent, I would say, where I was still proud. And it was still a very apparent, like people would still ask me, what are you? Or Oh my god, <laughs> those are your parents? Or are you Asian? Or like, I it wasn't that I it didn't encounter it. I just was like, Oh, yeah, and I just didn't think anything of it. And then there was a point in my life also where I was adopting all the cultures within myself. And then after that, it was like, No, I mixed, I mixed and I was reclaiming my Japanese side, I was reclaiming my mixed roots. So now I'm thankful I've developed into that to celebrate who I am. Yeah, it does sound like we had similar timelines and gone through a similar journey. I'm only two years older than you. So we are probably going through it around the same time. Mm -hmm, For sure. I do notice that in America, I'm, I'm super proud of being mixed Asian and having this different perspective. But in Japan, I'm a definitely I act different, for sure, because I'm not viewed as Japanese. So in America, I guess society would view me as an Asian because they definitely look at me and then they're like, well, she's not white. You know, you, you probably get this a lot. I get a lot of you look so exotic. You look so exotic. Oh my gosh, yes. In Japan, racism is still bad. It's a homogenous society, so their racism is a little bit different. Like if I had grown up in Japan, being mixed there is not... It's not great. Like I have a friend, she she is half Japanese, but she has like blonde hair and she definitely like looks a little Asian, but not really. But she also dyed her hair, so maybe that made her look less. A lot of people would go up to her and be like, oh, gaijinda, gaijinda, which means you're a gaijin, like you're, yeah, you're an outsider. And she'd be like, no, I'm Japanese. And so you get a lot of bullying growing up mixed in Japan because you don't look like everybody else. Like you look blatantly different. So in Japan, no one ever really views me as Japanese. And then on top of that, it's people always stare, but I always think it's because they're trying to figure out what I am. And then on top of that, they'll see me talking to my grandma, who's a deaf mute in Japanese sign language. And they're like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> like, what is going on? So they have trouble labeling you. Exactly. And Japan is really all, all about labels. And it's it's a lot. It's so annoying. But they're really into labeling. But they're also really into fetishizing mixed Japanese. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You can buy something called hafu makeup, which is makeup to make you look more like you're mixed. Holy cow, I've never heard of that. It's so insane. And then like in elementary school, like most half Japanese experience the same stuff. So you go through a point where you're bullied. And then when you get to like high school and stuff, they're like, oh my God, you're you're half. Oh, that's so cool. Oh my God, yokata. That's so cool. Blah, blah, blah. And so it almost changes, but it's so fetishized over there. But at the same time, you're not viewed as a Japanese person. Is that mixed with anything or is it more desirable to be mixed with white it's definitely more desirable to be mixed with white 
for sure. Um, but mixed with anything, we'll experience the same stuff. But I have friends that have taught in Japan. And from what I know of Japan, the, the Asian community in general has problems dealing with black people. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's a huge, huge problem. The racism is really bad. And my dad is definitely a little bit more olive in his complexion. So he said he dealt with a lot of that. And I actually have a half Japanese friend, half Swiss friend who's in Japan right now. And he was just talking to me about how bad he's experiencing racism because he has a very Mediterranean olive complexion. So he's actually pretty dark. People say the rudest things to him or people act very rudely to him and they don't treat him like he's Japanese. He's having a very difficult time with it himself. So racism is definitely a huge problem there. But you know, this episode isn't in particular about that. But I will say I do feel different in Japan about who I am than I do in America. I mean, that definitely fits in this episode. If it's all about how you see yourself and how you identify, I can see how with that environment, it would kind of shift when you're in Japan. Yeah. And then on top of that, I have huge tattoos on my arms that are in Japanese. So oh, gosh, so I guess you can't go to the onsen. Oh, yeah, no, but I have no desire to bathe in naked and with anyone, to be honest. But I'd have to go to a private onsen. But at the same time, and for those of you who don't know what onsen is, it's a bathhouse. But they're amazing at the same time. You can go, but you have to go to like a private one or you have to find one that allows for tattoos. But my grandma's so old school. So tattoos in Japan, it's slowly fading, but it was a huge thing where if you had tattoos, it meant you were in Yakuza, which is the Japanese mob. My grandma literally just, I I get a lecture every single time she sees me about tattoos. If you have never had a lecture by a deaf mute person before, and it's all in sign language, like it's, it's a little bit more frustrating because you have to be respectful and you have to like watch them the whole time. Yeah, to catch all the words. Yeah, and it's just so much. But I'm lucky that my dad doesn't, like my dad will say like, oh, I don't like your tattoos either. But he, he's like, it's. I'm not changing that. He's not fighting the things that he can't change. And he wants us to be proud of who we are and everything about ourselves. He's like, be unique. Like, just be yourself and love yourself or whatever. But he is like, you know, in Japan, this is what they're going to think. Just as long as you're being yourself, like no one can really hurt you. But this is what they're going to think. Like, he doesn't want me walking around with my <laughs> head up my ass all the time. But he definitely wants me to be informed. But he doesn't, he's not in the business of trying to change who I am anymore. I mean, I'm 25. He's not going to succeed. But he <laughs> said the number one thing is just show that you're confident. And I've always been that way. And he's like, don't let them break that for you in Japan. And you shouldn't have any problem. He's like, a lot of people probably are jealous that they don't feel like they can stand out and still be confident about it. A lot of maybe looks that you might get or things people say will result from people just being mad that they're like everybody else. That's an interesting way to look at it. I don't think I've ever had it put to me that way. Yeah. And I think it's amazing since my dad is from that country and grew up surrounded by that. I he did grow up with disabled parents, both my grandfather passed away, but he was also deaf mute. So I think that really opened up his eyes about different behaviors and how people can treat people and things that he didn't like about the society. And he I think that's why he made an effort to, to marry he didn't marry a Japanese woman, he married an American like a white American. And he wanted his kids to be proud of being Japanese, but also to be proud that they were this other. Thing. And I think it helped that your mom is also really familiar with Japanese culture too. And she's she speaks Japanese as well. 
Mm-hmm. So it was easy to keep those cultures alive in raising you as well. But your dad sounds like the ideal parent for a mixed race child. I know he is like, he's so celebratory. He's so awesome. And like, we used to not have a good relationship, to be honest. But now he's just he's old and he's mellowed with age. I'm sure every like Asian can relate to that. He was a tiger dad, uh, if you can imagine. Oh, my goodness. Yes. He's like one of the greatest people. I, I love it. Now he's so low key. We went back to Japan this past uh, April and we had the best time. And he's a very chatty guy, which is not a thing. Like people think Japanese people are friendly. Yes, they're courteous, but I wouldn't necessarily say they're friendly. There's a respectful culture, but I don't necessarily think they're more friendly than other people. Well, they have that culture of face, you know, it's a very important thing to always say yes, but that doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that they mean it in their heart or that they're going to mean it when they turn around. Yeah, and I'm I'm a very blunt person too if you can't tell. I'm very like outspoken, very blunt and that's not a Jap- that's not my Japanese side at all. It's not necessarily bad. I don't know sometimes if I'm being rude or not. I think growing up in a society, because I didn't grow up in Japan, so I'm not always great about social, like, ways that you're supposed to talk to people. So there's, like, a social hierarchy, and there's different levels of language that you have to use. Mm. But because I didn't grow up there, I don't always know the most polite way to say something, or I don't always know the most casual way to say something. I just try to be as polite as I can be, but it's it's really difficult because there's just such different levels. You're either very casual or you're formal or you're very formal or you're very, very extremely formal. And to go back and forth between all that is so, it's so stressful. Is that as complex as it is in Korea where it's based yes. and things like that? Like if someone's older, they can be more respectful in your language. Yep. <laughs> it's a lot. That's a lot to juggle. Yeah, it is a lot to juggle, but um, I think I'm still in a way trying to, live up to those expectations because I want people to view me as Mm -hmm. Japanese when I go there but I know that they won't so it's slowly it's honestly me trying to come to terms with in Japan I'm going to be this thing but I don't have to let it bother me right and you do your best on your end to express your Japanese self as much as you can while you're there Exactly. And to feel like I'm Japanese. Because in America, people treat me like I am the goddamn ambassador to Japan. They like they ask me any <laughs> questions. Like I am what they are as a Japanese person. But I think it's because I am so proud to be Japanese that and I was raised to be that way that people see me in that light that when I go to Japan and people don't see me in that light, it's almost shocking. Oh, I can imagine. That's where we're going to end part one of the conversation with Soph about her experiences growing up mixed Asian American. And we'll be back next week with more. You can follow Soph at Asian underscore Soph or Mixed Present on Instagram and me on Instagram or Twitter at Some Kind of Brown. I just wanted to take a second to give a shout out to the lovely Sarah and Rachel over at Unassigned Reading for leaving our very first iTunes review. Yay! You should check them out if you're a lover of books because you won't regret it. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a rate and review on iTunes too, and you just might hear your name at the end as well. Thank you to Purple Planet for the use of their song, Love Life, and I'll see you next week with some more Shades of Brown.